I'm writing a letter. Or, I guess technically, I'm typing a letter. For the past few months, I felt like you do on long road trips. When you're lost and you finally decide to pull over and just check the directions again. Defeated, tired, and frustrated. I felt like I had run out of options. I had gone to my mom, my grandma, my literal half-brothers, my little brother, everyone I could think of. Or so I had thought. Dear Marion. Oh, that name? Yeah, I guess you probably don't know it. It's the name of my father's wife. Hi, I'm Sam Sabin, and this is Good Grief, a show about reconnecting with the past and my attempts to make up for lost time. If this is your first time tuning in, please stop and go back to episode one. This is a serialized show, so I promise things will make a lot more sense if you start at the beginning. This is episode seven, The Letter. The past few months I've been digging. Digging into my past, my mom's past, and my estranged, dead father's past. I've been trying to make up for a missed opportunity, I guess. At least, that's what it feels like. When my estranged biological father passed away, it had been 10 years since I had even seen him. 10 years since we had any semblance of a conversation. Now, to be fair, I was only 10 the last time I saw him. It was hard for me to have known how monumental that moment was. So I guess when he died, I realized I had missed my chance to ask him some of those burning questions that I had for him. Who is he? Why did he leave? Did he even love us? And so on, and so on. It's felt like I've exhausted every avenue. Every avenue, except one. Which brings me back to the letter. The letter. Dear Marion, I think I'm finally ready to talk to you. What do I even say to my dead father's wife? Actually, I'm going to take out that pass. <laughs> what do I even have the right to say to her? Why do I have to do this? Why do I have to do this? Who put this into my world? Okay, I gotta write this letter now. Okay. I don't know her. I don't know what she's been through. I don't know her life. I don't know anything besides her name. And I know that she was hurt by this too. But I don't know how or when or where. How long has she known about me? When did she figure it all out? When did my father tell her about us? Did he even tell her? So again, I'm left with this question. How do I write a letter to my estranged, deceased father's wife? I have three things I have to ask you. The first one you're not going to like. Oh, God. It's already done, so you can't do anything about it. Um, I decided, um, since it was the only avenue I hadn't pursued, I decided to write Marion a letter. <laughs> okay. So I did that. 
Uh, okay. And then. Yeah, that was pretty bold. Yeah. Yeah, I did it. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> Thank you. During this process, I can't help but realize that in order to actually be able to write to another woman who was hurt by my father, I need to understand my mom's pain more. She was a 22, 23-year-old woman when my father left. And she had two children now to raise on her own. She didn't plan for that. How do you do all that? Knowing that the father of your children made time to raise three other children with another woman. What does that feel like? Sitting here. That's when I realize I've had the answers to that question all along. When did he leave? This is me and my grandma, or my mom's mom. About a year ago now, right before I left for a trip to Aquasesne, I'm talking to her at a McAllister's Deli, a chain deli shop in Charlotte, North Carolina. You might remember parts of this conversation from the first episode, way, way back. (laughs) I'm not not exactly sure when he just said he was going back with his wife or whether he went to live somewhere else by himself. I don't know what happened to him. I don't know. And then, um, I don't know, I would ask your mom, like, if he ever came to see you guys or, you know, ever in contact with you. And she kind of, like, said, like, no. You know, or, like, I don't, I don't think he was supporting you in any way. Mm-mm. To my knowledge, at that point, I don't think he was helping out with anything. So, there's one thing. My mom was totally alone except for maybe some help from my grandma. She was 22, 23 years old, with two children who wouldn't stop coloring on the walls or ripping out the dresser drawers and dumping their clothes on the floor. Then I look back at the conversation I had with my mom and little brother back in December. real story? Okay, let's go. It's go time. <laughs> do we want to know? Do you want us to know, though? Wait a minute. Do you well, want us I to know? Trying... How about, but, 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 do you want us to know? Yeah, I think you should know so that right. you can stop delving into who he was. You can hear the strength in that anger. The strength she tapped. And it's a type of strength you don't have to tap often. The kind of strength that gets you through trauma and the quote-unquote tough times. Then when you decide to settle down with that fucker and you have a child, then you realize, holy fuck, he's like 13 years older than me, but he's a fucking infant who's drinking every night. And I'm raising a kid all fucking by myself. No doubt, at some point, Marion also needed that same strength. And when I think about that, The words for this letter just kind of flow out. Dear Marion, I'm sorry it's taken me so long to reach out since you had the strength to tell your sons about me and my little brother. I'm not sure how long you've known about me and my little brother, but I hope your decision to tell your sons about us didn't bring you too much pain. I'm reaching out because I think I'm finally ready to talk to you. Seems weird to phrase it like that, 
as if it's totally obvious that you are, in turn, ready to talk to me. But if you are, I'm ready too. When I'm writing to Marion this time around, she undoubtedly knows about me. She's the one who told my half-brothers about me a few months ago anyway. I wish I could tell you why I chose to write a letter. Why I didn't opt to just grab coffee with her, go to her house, pick up the phone, send a text or an email. I think there's just something about writing a letter that feels so natural in this situation. What I didn't tell y'all back in episode 5 was that when I met my half-brothers for the first time, they came bearing a letter from their mom to me. I wish I could tell you exactly what it said, word for word, but if we're being honest, I have moved a few times since then, and I think the letter got lost in the shuffle. But I can summarize it for you. It's hard to forget the feeling I had when I read it. And I feel like before I summarize that for you guys, I need to just tell you that their mom is very religious. Her letter was brief and had good intentions, but I remember it had the smell of disbelief. Summarized, it was something along the lines of, um, we don't always understand God's plans for us, but we should trust him. I don't, I didn't know how to respond to it. This isn't my first attempt at this letter, just my first recent attempt. About a year after my father's death in 2016, I still didn't know much. I hadn't really started digging either. I just had the faintest idea that maybe I could find a way to drive up to Aquasesne and rediscover my roots or something. I didn't realize that all along I really wanted to dig into who this man is. What's his deal, you know? So a year ago, I wrote this essay that was just a series of many letters that I would write to her, to Marion. And looking back, it was angry. Like, really, really angry. Here's an excerpt. Dear Marion, does my last name bother you? Has it ever bothered you that my mom and your husband decided that their children would share your last name? To be honest, sometimes it bothers me. I'm forever reminded that I'm his daughter, and I have to correct people when they try to call my mom Mrs. Sabin. Honestly, I forgot about it until I had the idea to write her another letter, an actual letter that I would send her. That's when this faint memory came back of me sitting in my quiet studio apartment during my senior year of college, putting off doing homework, and thinking about that never-ending to-do list. I'm probably drinking a glass of wine, and my fingers are on the keyboard. Dear Marion, did he ever show you pictures of his precious baby girl? Probably not. What happened when I was born? What happened when my little brother was born? Do you remember September 23rd, 1994 at all? How about March 1st, 
1996. What excuse did he use? Like I said, this is too angry to actually send to anyone. I mean, he is the dad, but I don't know why she didn't want to pursue that. I'm not sure. I don't know why she didn't want to go after him. Because his name is on both your birth certificates, so he is the dad. His dad. Uh-huh. So I'm not sure why she didn't pursue that. Maybe she didn't want to get involved with the wife, or I don't know. I don't know why. That wasn't none of my business, actually. None of my business. Thinking about my mom's strength, I have to think about this question. Why didn't she actually sue my father for child support? force him to be in my life, whether financially or emotionally or physically. What held her back? This is one of the few questions I just haven't asked my mom. And honestly, it's really because it's super, 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 super personal. But now, it just seems really important. It seems important while I'm trying to understand my mom's strength and where it came from. So I asked her while I was writing the letter. This is new that was one but i figured since she hasn't written back that it would be more of an episode about starting to write a letter and then thinking about how you have to write a letter to her and then that led me to the question that i haven't asked you which is um where you found the strength to deal with it all (laughs) being raised by just a mother that was the Basically, for me, that's all I knew. Mm. And with my mom working three jobs, I basically was independent when I was 10, doing everything for myself, cooking, cleaning. I didn't really have a childhood because I was always alone taking care of myself. It was really nothing to me to be able to raise two kids by myself because I had already been used to taking care of myself at a young age. Plus, um, it was more of a relief because once I had you and then I had Dylan, there was no help from your dad anyway. So to me, it was less stressful because I didn't have to have those arguments over where were you, what are you doing, why aren't you home? And I could just focus on taking care of you two and not having to worry about where he was, what he was doing, when he was coming home, what's going on. Hmm. Interesting. Because then you just call the shots on your own. Exactly. Hmm. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. My mom is strong. She's one of the strongest women I know. And sure, a lot of people, if given the opportunity, would sit in front of a mic and tell you the same thing about their own mom. This isn't about them though, because right now I'm the same age my mom was while she was dealing with all of this. A nuanced breakup, single motherhood, moving. She was also dating, balancing a personal life, work, careers, etc. I don't think I could deal with all this right now in the same way my mom had. And I like to think that Marion has the same sort of strength and something to talk about in this letter. Sure, I don't know if Marion found out about me when I was a child or way, way, way later in my life, 
but I do know that no matter when she found out about me, she too must carry that same sort of strength that my mom carries. And it's probably really important to her that she does. So I use that in the rest of my letter. Dear Marion, I'm reaching out because I think I'm finally ready to talk to you. Seems weird to phrase it like that, as if it's totally obvious that you are, in turn, ready to talk to me. But if you are, I'm ready too. I've been doing a lot of soul searching in the past few years. When your husband passed away, I felt a lot more grief than I anticipated. His death actually meant something to me, and I didn't expect it to. To be honest, I didn't really think much about him, and whenever I did, I just became angry. Hopefully, you understand why. But these past two years, I've been thinking a lot about him, who he was as a man, as a father, and a husband. I think it's because of my age. I'm in my early 20s, and I'm just now getting a grip on that mindfulness thing and on that coming-of-age period. <laughs> I'm thinking a lot about who I am and why I am who I am. And honestly, it's getting hard to ignore your husband's role in that for me. If you would like, I would love to just talk to you about who he was for you. I'm not here to yell at you or to misplace my anger and confusion in any way. As your sons may have told you, I've been doing a lot of research into who exactly Robert Sabin was. And I think I've exhausted all of my options. Well, all of my options except for one, you. I know there are questions that only he could have answered for me, and I don't expect you to have all the answers for me. But what I'm looking for is to get a glimpse into who he was when he was with you and your family. Who is the Robert Sabin? I never got to know. I hope this letter is finding you well. If you do want to talk to me briefly, you can write me back or maybe give me a call or send me an email. Here's my information. All the best, Sam Sabin. But I'm filling out the front of the envelope with her address and everything now. Dope. Okay, where's my stamp? Putting the stamps away. That's the AC. We are stuffing the envelope. Meow, meow, meow. Okay, my envelope is sealed. Those are guinea pigs. Um, okay, so I now have to put on shoes. Okay, here we go. I dropped off that letter about a week ago now. Yes, only a week ago. I know I should have done it earlier, but it's really tough to muster up that courage to do this, okay? And of course... I haven't heard back yet. No emails, no texts, no call, no letter. So now, we wait. 
Good Grief is an independent production by me, Sam Sabin. Editing help for this episode comes from Rachel Wolf and Lydia Thompson. Theme music by Indian Wells. Other music in this episode by Poddington Bear. This podcast is funded partially by the UNC Creative Writing Program and the Bulch family. Special thanks to my family for letting me record them and my friends for putting up with my anxieties and being my greatest editors. On the next episode. Are you excited this is going to be over soon? (laughs) Is that a real question? (laughs) Yeah. It's the season finale of Good Grief. If you enjoyed listening, please subscribe or maybe share the podcast with a friend. You can find Good Grief on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Radio Public, and honestly, wherever else you listen to podcasts. You can also find this podcast and more episode extras at goodgriefpodcast.com. Be sure to like the show on Facebook and follow it on Twitter for updates as I'm making the show. Just search Good Grief Podcast. I promise it will pop up. Also, with the season finale quickly approaching, I'm starting to feel possible stories for a possible second season. I have some ideas brewing, but if you also have a story about grief and its complications and intricacies and so much more, I want to hear from you. Email me at sam at goodgriefpodcast.com if you want to chat. Thanks for listening. Hoy, stop it! You ate her letter! My cat just ate the letter! That sounds like my dog just ate my homework, but my cat just chewed on a corner of the letter. Barry!